Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Tony said that he has a plan, Craig, um, but he needs to talk to you first. Are, are you okay no matter what inning you pitch or whatever, considering they're in first place and have well, championship? I think I, need to talk, I, need, I think I need to talk to Tony before I answer that question. All right. We got time today to talk to Tony. He's, he's probably sitting in a sauna trying to recover from that race he ran yesterday to get out to home plate and <laughs> that was push awesome. the catcher. And, and by the he way, done, he, he rushed Roberto Perez. He rushed him, man. He did. And yeah. you, I love, we, we've loved Lance Lynn on this show. And Lance Lynn, <laughs> yesterday after the game, high kneeing his ass off getting out there. I loved it. You know, that's who Tony is, and that's what we love about him. High kneeing his ass off getting out there. That is just so funny. And then everybody else, younger than Tony, made jokes about, this is what it's like when I have to go. I know my former boss, Mike Kellums, did that. This is what it looks like when I have to go. All righty then. Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday Suckage, Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. We go to the Scores Hotline. It is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And we're going to welcome back to the show Jim Margulis of Sox Machine. The uh, White Sox in first place made a trade Jim said they should look at. Jim previously said they should look at. Not in, not in after the fact. He first guessed this whole thing about acquiring a second baseman, Cesar Hernandez. Jim, so prescient. Do you have lottery numbers for us? Go back to that that tie. <laughs> welcome, to the, welcome to the score. Welcome back. And the idea of the White Sox trading, they trade with the second-place team and they trade with the team across town. This just is, seems like a whole new brave world that, that Rick Hahn is doing everything he can. What did you think about what they did with Cleveland? I was surprised, or at least a little bit surprised, just because I don't know the etiquette among GMs of asking like your most direct rival and the team chasing you in the division for one of their players who have been contributing to their cause, you know, if it, there's just like kind of a, you know, a disagreement over whether you're nine games back, you're barely over 500, give us your second baseman. Like, I don't know if that's rude <laughs> uh, or if that's uh, just a case where everybody sees reality the same way and, and it's more about getting value. But when you looked at Hernandez's skill set, being a switch hitter, being somebody who can hit right-handed pitching historically, he's a little bit down this year. Uh, he hits fly balls, which a lot of the White Sox lineup has a problem with. He complemented the rest of the lineup in a way that 
you know, Nick Madrigal did before he got injured. You know, Madrigal didn't strike out. He could hit righty, so he offered his own uh, way to complement the lineup from second base. Hernandez does the same thing, just a little bit differently. So when you factor in his defense, which has been gold glove good, it's a little bit down this year. Uh, I think right now you can pretty much consider him to be like average at best at second base. Like that's fine. That's better than what they had with Larry Garcia filling in there. So uh, when you factor in the price, what he's owed, the option for next year, should he be a great fit for this team, uh, especially now with Magical gone afterwards, um, he just made a lot of sense. We definitely don't have to ask you what Craig Kimbrell will mean to the White Sox. I mean, I think that's pr- pretty obvious. But one of the things that Rick Hahn revealed yesterday in his conversations with Jed Hoyer of the Cubs in that conversation was that they essentially they argued over Nick Madrigal and that, you know, Hoyer was insistent upon that. I think it's Rick at least made it sound like he resisted. What What do you think about the White Sox losing Nick Madrigal? Well, it really shocked me, first of all, just because I didn't think he would have trade value or enough trade value to get somebody they wanted, given that he's injured for the rest of the year. Um, So I just really hadn't factored him into my calculus when figuring out, like, who's expendable? Who can they give up? Who can they replace from within or cheaply from outside? But when he was traded, you know, when I I saw the news – it didn't strike me like emotionally in either way, just because when I, when I factored in Hernandez, you know, possibly being picked up and even after they traded for him uh, with that team option for next year, I thought, well, that gives them the flexibility to trade magical because uh, as, as good as magical can be and as good as he is in some regards already, uh, you know, he just had three significant injuries in four years. He had the broken wrist at Oregon state. He had the separated shoulder last year. And now he has the hamstring tendon tear this year. And when you factor in like all those, you know, surgery requiring events for a guy this young and a guy who's so reliant on maxing out his effort and his physical skills, be they what little power he has and the speed that he has. I just wonder if that's a guy who's going to have a shorter shelf life than they originally imagined when they drafted him fourth overall. It kind of brings to mind Adam Eaton, who they traded after a, a, a great season, an all-star season or the equivalent of, and, and he was worth six wins above replacement, which is starts to border on MVP talk if he were on a winning team. You know, they traded him what seemed like unnecessarily, given that they had team control. But, you know, given the events of 2016, uh, you know, that that made it a bit easier. But also just given his skill set, given how much he needs to max out his power and his effort and his speed. Like when he had the knee injury first month into his time with Washington, he wasn't the same player afterwards. He was a fine player, an adequate starter, but he just wasn't that difference maker. And because the White Sox traded him earlier than they had to, they have Lucas Giolito, and now they have Lance Lynn through Dane Dunning. So that's kind of what struck me. I'm a little bit uncomfortable trading Madrigal just because I don't think the White Sox saw the best from him. I think he was just starting to come into his own. However, if they did trade him a year early versus a year too late, like the, the, the Branch Rickey saying is, then this is what it feels like to trade a guy a year too early. We're talking with Jim Margulis of Sox Machine. You can read him today on SoxMachine.com, trading Nick Madrigal, why now or why not? So moving on from that, with, with and Cesar Hernandez went two for five yesterday and in his Sox debut against a quarter run against a team that <clears throat> traded him. As this team gets put back together with Aloy being hurt and, and it just... It, it's cringeworthy all the time. And then the pitch that Jose Abreu took to the head and, and set off Tony La Russa and the, uh, as he was going to get in on that battle. And mm-hmm. 
keeping this team healthy, getting this roster healthy to October, I fear every time Aloy Jimenez has to go out to left field. I just think that's baseball malpractice. But I know that after what happened to Abreu, he's going to need days off, and so is Grandal. How do you handle this? What do you think is the smart play, the smart way to do this with the many moving parts the Sox will have? Well, I think I start by giving uh, Tony La Russa and you know, Ethan Katz and, and whoever's making decisions about playing time, you know, who's ever in the office, the benefit of the doubts when it comes to weird lineups, uh, like seeing uh, Andrew Vaughn at second base uh, the last game in Kansas City, which was really odd. And, but then, you know, I guess Abreu had a neck issue and Anderson got a day off and Mankata was DHing. And, and yeah, I, I guess this is the luxury of a lead that's now nine games is that you can prioritize health. So if Eloy's uh, groin is bothering him, like he doesn't need to touch the lineup, he can DH and, he, and you don't have to fight him about DHing. You can just say, like, you can't run right now. You know, be a DH. Uh, same thing with Abreu taking a pitch to the head. I know his mom hates when he's out of the lineup, and, and he, that's what keeps him uh, uh, you know, staying in the game when maybe he should take a breather. But, you know, you can say, like, we need you for October, and you're going to be playing, you know, we plan to play deep into October. Uh, you're getting a day off. So I think when you see weird lineups, uh, it, there, there's always a lot of lineup angst whenever the White Sox post it on Twitter and then seeing who's batting fifth or who's batting second and getting angry about it. But I think for the time being, you know, this is the luxury of having that huge cushion is just being able to try to keep guys fresh, but also not, you know, making sure they rust away or, 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 or never find a groove. So there's a tricky balance to strike. Um, yeah, I too cringe when, when Jimenez is out and left, but, um, you know, given that, you know, Vaughn has looked a bit shaky in the outfield as of late, you know, there might be some fatigue setting in for him, uh, given that it's his first full season, uh, you know, last year really didn't uh, do anything for him. So he's going through a grind himself. I think there's a lot of, uh, opportunity just to rotate guys in and out, occasionally having some uncomfortable moments and awkward plays and, and bad defense and, and such. But I think the, the priority just has to be keeping guys, in the loop and understanding what the roles are going into October. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't imagine what Andrew Vaughn was thinking when he was standing playing second base the, the other day, or he, <laughs> hell, he, 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 it seemed like a shock to his system, even going to right field. And he did have a ball go off his glove at one point. So point yeah. well taken. Um, I do want to ask you kind of a follow-up on Tony La Russa. And you mentioned that, that he's, you're giving him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to lineup construction. The second part of that is, do you think that Larusa has become more embraceable as the season has gone on by fans who initially did not like the hiring? I think there's a, a little bit of time healing wounds in that even if uh, you know, and people had a right to feel you know potentially uh, you know, upset, potentially offended by his hire, depending on you know their past experiences, because. You know, multiple DUI charges are, are no joke. So, um, you know, they felt like that was hidden and, uh, you know, just it was a bad way to hire a guy. Like, I, you know, the, the, the anger is understandable, and, and some people may not be able to let that go, and, and that's, you know, that, that's part of the risk of hiring him. But when it comes to just the idea, if you could set that aside um, and, and just talk about, like, the baseball merits and hiring somebody who's been out of the game for nine years and made controversial comments and didn't seem – uh, like a, as somebody who is tolerant of players expressing themselves, I think the results speak for themselves, not only in that the White Sox are in first place, but that the White Sox have been able to express themselves. Tim Anderson's been able to uh, 
talk back a little bit. Lance Lynn's been able to make comments. They've been able to poke fun at him. Uh, you know, they made fun of him, or like he made fun of himself when he was wearing the new City Connect uniforms, uh, tilting his cap to the side. I think the Yermin Mercedes uh, flare-up and his poor handling of that was you know, a, a point of the season where it could have taken a turn for the worse. But I, I think part of LaRusso's strength is being able to handle conflict and, and be the bad guy and not care about yeah. being the bad guy and, right. and not hold grudges that people don't like him. And, and, and so, like, even if you know, he was wrong for the way he handled it and he didn't have his players back and that was really strange, like a week later, he didn't get mad or hold grudges for people who were upset about him. He let it go. It seems like they've let it go. It seems like uh, you know, he's putting players in position to succeed. Like you think of all the role players and rookies that have run through and getting useful weeks out of them before the league figures them out and then being able to rotate to the next man up. I think that has a lot to do with the tone being set or him, whether it's him setting the tone or whether it's letting players, a clubhouse leader set the tone and getting out of the way. I think there is a, I wouldn't even call it like an uneasy alliance now. I just think they've, they've grown to understand each other. And at this point, you know, I, I think you have to trust the players who, you know, seem to enjoy, you know, poking fun at them and, and, and but ultimately enjoy the way the season's going and uh, let it go from there. We're the bad kids, Tim Anderson said. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Then they have to get disciplined. We're talking with Jim Margulis of Sox Machine. I don't know that it, it has been asked I don't know that any baseball executive on the trade deadline day would answer it honestly, but I've never been one to underestimate the stupidity of baseball owners, nor have I been one to underestimate them under Rod Manfred's direction. So Mm -hmm. the White Sox went about doing what they needed to do. They saw what we saw, second base, the bullpen, we need to go do this, and Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn. Rick Hahn said that was they played their desert island game, desert island game, and the one guy they needed, if they could only get one, was Craig Kimbrell. So they saw what we saw. I don't know if it any of this is sped up by the fact that there may ne- be no baseball next year. There is a CBA that expires December first, and again, never underestimating the stupidity. You have no idea where this goes. Your best chance to win this year's World Series is this year, and it may be mm-hmm. for a while. Do you think that factored in? Did you hear anybody talk about that? What do you think about that I, that concept? I think there is a loose concern about that. It doesn't seem, you know, or based on previous negotiations with the CBA, it, it, they've courted disaster for a couple of negotiation cycles now, and then it seems like by the last week, uh, that's when the, the, the pressures of the deadline uh, force both sides to the table and they get something done. So I think there's some rhetoric that's maybe a bit overstated right now just because it always seems like baseball is on the brink of its first work stoppage. And then when you think about like labor relations in general, sometimes work stoppages are healthy just to reset some terms that maybe have gotten away, you know, too far away from what one side wants. So, you know, there, there's that. I, I think some of the moves they've made, like, say, trading Dane Dunning for Lance Lynn and, uh, you know, six years of team control for, at the time, one year, and they've since extended them. I think that was something that just said, like, let's max out 2021. I think that the Kimbrel move is kind of a spiritual brother of that trade in which they have Madrigal uh, for five more years, but they don't exactly know what shape he's going to come back in. So 
they see an opportunity to get Cesar Hernandez to fill in the spot for him this year when Magical can't help anymore. And then they see Kimbrell coming in and seeing how that he could perhaps help more than anybody for their specific needs and just say, this year is enough. And I think you know, there, there are CBA pressures that say, like, well, we don't know how young players are going to be paid. Uh, we don't know what the team control is going to mean anymore for players who have yet to hit arbitration. We don't know what arbitration is going to look like. So maybe it's not worth prioritizing them. But I also think just in the way we've seen Jerry Reinsdorf operates outside of labor context, uh, he's not somebody who spends money to make money when it comes to the White Sox, but he's somebody who will spend money if he's made money. Like when they won the World Series, they were carrying a top five payroll. Now, I think the, the idea of a top five payroll, maybe the Dodgers have blown that out of proportion a little bit <laughs> yes. and made it unattainable, but at least like top 10, above average, whatever you want to call it, 150 to 170 million, something like that is within reach. But I think you have to maximize what you do in 2021. I think we're seeing it right right now with these great weekend crowds they've drawn with the TV ratings being up 123% uh, over 2019, uh, what it was then. Uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, even if you take out the CBA stuff, I think there's a lot of motivation to make the most out of this year, to have a deep October run, to boost season ticket sales, to boost interest, to uh, take over Chicago while the Cubs are down, to get all the Fairweather fans over on their side and get their interest in order to keep spending that money and, and have more, you having deeper pockets to go into to address needs in the offseason. So I think this is a case where they didn't quite spend money to make money, but at least they've spent like, future money or they spent like I guess future prospect value in a way to convert it to their payroll this year and I think the idea is that Kimbrell and Lynn you know Lynn's already signed the extension so there's that um, but I think their idea is that you know the production they provide this year will help pay themselves back all right so how do you how do you line it up man Kimbrell Hendricks Kopech what what would you like to see well, I think with Kimbrell and Hendricks, just whoever is, you know, I guess when it comes to comfort, I maybe just I would like to see Kimbrell maybe get a safe situation early to show that, uh, hey, we like him in this situation too. Kind of like whenever they, 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 they brought Eloy back, he batted clean up his first game back. Hernandez, they batted in the second first game back, yeah, first game with the White Sox. I think there's an idea to say, here's why we got you, to close out a game if we need you. So here, here you go. Have at it. Didn't really work for Ryan Tapera in the eighth inning. Uh, that was a, a very poor first uh, impression. But I think that's the idea of, of when they have a new guy who they're counting on to deliver, they try to put them in that role as early as possible. But we'll see if there are any egos involved. I think Hendricks just likes getting the ball whenever and likes pitching multiple innings. So he might be more amenable to a looser uh, usage, especially since like with before uh, he turned into a super closer with Oakland, he was kind of that guy. He has recent experience. I think what what I'm looking forward to is seeing how they use Kopech because you know assuming Tapera's you know first outing was an aberration, and Aaron Bummer looks better as of late. You have the the freedom to stretch out Kopech again for multiple innings, maybe using him as a spot starter to give uh, some of your starters like um, you know Carlos Rodon and, and Dallas Keuchel a breather when they need it. Uh, you know, that could be helpful, but also just I'm thinking in October, like say if you have to start uh, Keuchel or Cease for a game and you don't feel great about them, you feel okay about them going four, you don't feel great about them going six, can you give the ball to Kopech to come in and get oh, through yeah. the sixth or seventh himself just because he's been stretched out? That's, I think, a weapon that uh, you know the, many teams don't have. Uh, the, the Dodgers kind of had that uh, last year with Urias, and I think the uh, – uh, the, the White Sox could do something similar with Kopech, which also you know solves the problem of next year, should they need a starter, should Rodon leave, uh, having the ability to have him stretch out, have him be over 100 innings, and, and having the idea of him starting 25 to 30 games be not so, 
not be such a stretch. Jim, we thank you for your time. We'll have you back when the when it's clear the White Sox have turned every game into a two-inning game, and then they've just thrown 100 miles an hour <laughs> out there. Jim, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Oh, it's always a pleasure. All right. Jim Margulis of Sox Machine, SoxMachine.com. We'll take a break. When we come back. You know what? Mark heard a lot this week. We need to know what Mark heard. Mark, you heard a lot, right? You all, lot. No. all bears. I will give you the best bears. of the bears from this week. I've been out there every day, except for today. And yeah. uh, I will play for you some very entertaining sound bites from some very entertaining bears players. I love this. All right. Yeah. I can't I wait. Yeah. We'll find out what Mark heard next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Indeed. And except Mark. And here's Mark Grody because this is our near award-winning segment, What Mark Heard. Mark, what did you heard? Well, I heard and I learned. One thing that I learned earlier this week that it is okay to say to Robert Quinn's face, if you would like, that he had a bad year 
last year. You have to listen very carefully to what Robert Quinn said in some of the interaction with a reporter who asked the question. Take a listen. Robert, you said last year, I'm sorry, I don't want to misquote you, but you said it wasn't a good year or a bad year for you. No, it was a bad year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I just didn't want to use the wrong word. No, I, was, um, I mean, unless you like those type stats, but I mean, again, I guess it might have been just kind of hard on myself because I got high expectations. I might have just beat myself down mentally, but I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I, I can erase 2020 because, well, I put it behind me because, you know, again, it's done and over with. So now I can look forward to this year coming with a little more, a better positive mindset, um, a little more energetic, you know, happy mindset, and, you know, try to give, you know, the Bears and my teammates and, you know, everyone the best version of myself as a person and player, and, you know, hopefully. They get what they're looking for. I know it's not a training camp, Robert, but are you feeling pressure as you come in? Are you feeling that pressure? Well, here's the thing about pressure. Bus pipes will make diamonds. I don't got any diamonds on now, but I can steal my ears. It's starting to glisten. Can I borrow yours? Like, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, no, it's really no pressure. I mean, I, this is my 11th year. Like, I, what pressure? Like, I, I mean, what pressure? All, all the, I guess the only pressure I put on myself is my, you know, my self-standard, so. No, from outside people, I can really care less what y'all think because, again, I got my own expectations for myself, and, you know, that's all that really matters to me. Steve, how much did you love him saying, unless you think that was good, what I did last year? (laughs) Well, I'm glad that he admitted it, that he sucked, and the question is, why? That, that did, was there other parts of his, that interview session where he explained why he sucked? Not really. I mean, I think he would, may have been enabled, you know, in regards to a question about injuries, but he would not use that oh, as an excuse. Okay, um, so, yeah, I mean, no, there, there was no real concrete answer as to why he did not, why he wasn't better than Leonard Floyd last year. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and now Dude, that hurts. Yeah, I mean. And, and I know, hey, and I know that a lot of times words are words, but those, those are some pretty exact words, and it's rare when, you know, an athlete will defend the reporter and say, no, dude, uh, don't, don't uh, weaken your words. I was bad last year. So Yeah, we talked about that a lot last year, and, and you were watching on the sideline, and you had, he was a guy who you talked about. I remember saying that he was somebody you, there was an honesty there, and... And I guess that we just saw another version of that, and that's good. I still, the, the big question to me is why and how do both he and Sean Desai make it different? Right, and I don't know, and we shall see. I mean, I'm still getting to know Sean Desai and mm-hmm. watching how he does business. Interestingly enough, Sean Desai, who everybody breathlessly knows, is a disciple of Vic Fangio. But yesterday, when we talked to Sean Desai for the first time, he, while showing full respect for Vic Fangio and admitting that he is a mentor, he did kind of scoff at the idea that everybody is just assuming he is going to be Vic Fangio and do things exactly as Vic Fangio did. He, he's, he's rejecting that theme yesterday, so... It's wait and see. I, I don't know what Sean Desai will be like as the, the defensive coordinator of the Bears, and he essentially told us that yesterday. I mean, the, I the one like thing that they have said – go ahead, Steve. 
No, I kind of like that answer where, where you were. I kind of like that answer. <clears throat> I don't know if he meant it this way, but the subtext I read, heard, the, the idea that I'm not going to do that because there's not, <clears throat> while there might be a profile, every year is different, every player is different, every situation is different. And I think we saw Vic Fangio coach based on opportunity, situation, what he knew his players could do, what he thought his players could do. So I kind of like that response from Sean Desai. Yeah, absolutely, because you have to, as Matt Nagy has found out, you have to cater to the players that you have on the field, the skill sets that exist, and, and what Sean Desai has to account for is essentially aging in some cases. You know, I mean, you do have an aging Robert Quinn. You, none of these guys are old, but aging and maybe diminishing in skills to some degree. And how do I get... And, and here's a good thing that Bears fans should know, and maybe you already know, that Sean Desai, he coached safeties. So, and Eddie Jackson was one of his star pupils, and he did not have an Eddie Jackson year last year. So it's probably good that that connection is made, that, you know, if anybody can get... Eddie Jackson back to where he once was, as in 2018 and for maybe parts of 2019, then it's it's Sean Desai. And that that's an observation that I made in watching camp, I think it was yesterday, Eddie Jackson not participating, but he's out there in shorts and standing on the sideline. I saw him getting in the ear of Sean Desai a lot, a lot. And so he's involved and earnest in all of that kind of stuff. So I think that that's, you know, it's peripheral and it doesn't mean a lot to fans, but it exists. Okay. All right. Good start. So what else did Mark heard? um, Okay. Um, Mark also heard from Khalil Mack. Take a listen to Khalil Mack. You guys said last year that the defense wasn't as good as you had hoped it would be. Was that on players? Was that a scheme reason? What, What... came together to kind of make it that way and how do you fix it um to me it sounds like excuses uh but for me personally i know i could play better and so uh ultimately what i control is what i can control you know what i mean and that's everybody's approach to uh this season what you can control is what you control but what you bring to the table man we got to come we got to bring it all together and, and and be what we know we can be and that is Khalil Mack right there, and I apologize for the abrupt ending to it. I had forgotten that he says a bad word at the end, so <laughs> we had to, I, I wanted to save everybody's jobs here. Um, Good idea. So we appreciate yeah, that. But Khalil Mack again, plain spoken, and you know he does not visit the media much these days. And again, another guy who. As far as the injuries, because he popped up on the injury report a ton last year, but still played through it. He was asked specifically about, hey, man, were you healthy? And he said, if I was out there, then I was 100%. So I don't know if that is true, but this this is a dude who really knows that words don't matter. So I don't know what that does for you or Bears fans, but Mac is like, let's go. I don't care. I don't need to talk about this. It doesn't change anything about the, the way I view him, his spirit, his the way he plays, the way he plays through whatever he's going to play. But again, I asked the same question about that pass rusher that I asked about Robert Quinn, the why. We didn't get the why. 
he didn't want to use it. I think he views every why right. answer as an excuse, and he didn't want to use it. And so we're not going to get the why from him. We don't get much from him anyways. We're going to get performance, and we're going to get our answers uh, on the field. I mean, that's pretty much the way he has been and what he is, what he is, the way Bears fans have seen him. I still like to know the why, but we're not going to get that, I don't think. Yeah, I, again, we tried to get the why, and enabling with injuries but he'll no. he'll not have it so yeah. um would you like to get to justin fields now how about justin fields who um, who is who yeah he is this was he, he is an the, undrafted free agent they signed no who he is, was the first round pick out of ohio state university yeah, he's a baby. quarterback yes, yeah but anyway the, the ohio state the ohio state really? um yes yes oh. big time prospect the bears apparently moved up on draft day to to get really? Justin Fields. And Justin Fields, by the way, has not spoken in camp as of yet, unless he is today, and that I don't think he has yet, but mm-hmm. that could ha- he eventually will, but he has not yet. So for now, we have the Bears head coach, Matt Nagy, speaking of Justin Fields and how he plans on challenging this mysterious quarterback you speak of. The, the stuff that Flip does behind the scenes with the, the different tests that he gives. When they're watching tape and going through different coverages, trying to understand post-snap what teams are showing, um, fronts. and uh, but, but really, in the end, when it comes down to it, um, are you making plays now in, in, the, you know, in the team periods, in seven-on-seven seven in training camp, the reps that we get uh, in the team periods? Situationally, where are you situationally? You know? So that's probably the biggest test. And then the rest of it is just kind of more of what every quarterback coach does in, in the league and what Justin's going to have to do along with Nick and, and Andy. And watching Justin Fields the last two days, here's my observations. Two days ago, he had a rough day. He had a, a fumble or a bad pitch um, to, or I think it was to Artavis Pierce. He was missing guys. He did. Andy Dalton looked better than Justin Fields. Yesterday, Justin Fields looked really sharp in seven-on-sevens. A couple bullets up the middle, one to Jesse James, the new tight end, um, another to Thomas Ives, a, a local kid, as a matter of fact, Thomas Ives. He, he looked a little bit more conservative in 11 on, on in full team scrimmage just in, in terms of the, the plays that were called for him, but he still looked good. Um, Andy Dalton, I got to say, has had excellent command in everything that I have seen from him, and I know Bears fans don't even want to hear that, but Andy Dalton has has looked very good so far in the in the two earnest practices that I have seen, and we'll wait for to hear the results of what happened in practice today. All of which is to be expected. Andy Dalton started ahead of him, is going to remain ahead of him, and and the excitement about Justin Fields is all about the what what the the potential is not what the present is and so I don't think anything's out of order here the one thing and I don't know that we really we're not far enough into this thing but the idea that Matt Nagy should has to hold Justin Fields to the to the one of the bars that to which he held Mitch Trubisky become a master of all coverages because otherwise his whatever whatever Matt Nagy thinks he can do he can't do if he doesn't have a guy who has mastered all the coverages. But remember, that was a big deal about, that, that was his diplomatic way of saying that Mitch Trubisky is, is 
too dumb to learn NFL defenses. We have to cut the field in half, and we have to put them on the run, and we have to give them one target, and it's always Allen Robinson. I mean, that's pretty much what happened. So he, I don't know that, has Nagy said that? Has he talked about mastering all coverages or given an idea of where Justin Fields is in whatever he's seen, whatever he's had the Bear defense throw at Justin Fields? He's been pretty optimistic. Even after the day that was not great two days ago, he was yeah. fairly optimistic about what he has seen from him. But he did say, he did say, as you guys can see, it's a little bit different when you're going full speed in the NFL. So that was his way of saying, yeah, I saw what you guys saw. I know there were some <laughs> mistakes made, and it wasn't great. So I think that that probably justifies everything that Matt Nagy has said to some degree because we've all sort of fought back. Again, hey, start Justin Fields, get him out there. And mm-hmm. Justin Fields, and look, we're two days in the camp, at, but Justin Fields doesn't look like a guy who is ready to take over first string and be a dominant superstar quarterback. By the end of camp, he might. <laughs> by, by the end of preseason, he might. And by the way, Matt Aggie did make a point of saying for the third time that, yes, starters will play more in the preseason, and you will probably see a lot of Justin Fields in those preseason games against Miami, Buffalo, and Tennessee. I look forward to that. Let's take a break and come back. We have more of what Mark heard. We must have more. We need more of what Mark heard. We will have um, the latest on the competitions at wide receiver. And then I think it's important to one more time hear from Eddie Goldman, number 91 for the Chicago Bears. All righty, then. Let's remember Matt Nagy's words, his philosophy, his mantra. Be you, be honest, Beyonce. I think that's the way the T-shirt's going to go. I'm Steve right. Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We don't have turds on this team. <laughs> welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Saturday suckage, and it's we're doing our near-award-winning segment called What Mark Heard. And at the top of the hour, Mark, your your BFF, Chance the Rapper, showed up at a Bulls draft event. Mm. I mean, we we need to talk to Herb Lawrence about that, the Illini guy, the biggest Illini honk we know. We're going to do that at the top of the hour. We have some items to bring to the to the fans in What Are You Doing, Wagner? And we will replay Inside the Clubhouse's interview with Tony LaRussa. We will do that. Uh, next hour as well. So it's action-packed, as is what Mark heard. What else did Mark heard up at House? Everybody Hall? wants to know who is going to be in the wide, like who is going to be of consequence as far as wide receivers are concerned beyond Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. First, let's hear from Matt Nagy on that core of guys. The, the competition that we brought in um, at the wide receiver position is really good. Uh, you know, you think of a guy like Marquise Goodwin, uh, who we brought in, and Demir Bird, and um, you know, obviously having Ridley and Wim still here, and A. Rob and Mooney, and there's a lot of depth. I mean, you got other guys I didn't mention um, that are on our roster that are going to completely compete and go out there. And then what we got to do is, is uh, you know, let them do their thing and just kind of see where they're at. But I think like one of the things is we're going to feel a little bit of a difference there at that position, that group, and it starts with those guys. Well, so the Bears wide receiver core is as fast as it's ever been. These guys are all can all fly. Darnell Mooney, 
Marquise Goodwin is the fastest of the bunch. Demir Bird can fly as well. It's interesting to watch Riley Ridley, and I feel like he's out there fighting for a roster spot. And he's he's been very present in camp so far, which could mean one of two things, that they are they are want to use him more, or they're saying that we want to get one last look at you before we make a decision. So there is that, because everybody's at, always at, hey, what has gone on with the, the former fourth-round pick from Georgia, and why is he never used? It feels like, okay, show us once and for all. Do you have it or not? Maybe similar to Javon Wims, who is a valued special teams guy, so he may have a more direct route to the team. As far as Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin are concerned, I think Bird is going to be the more prevalent option, especially in the slot, which is not necessarily where he's played a lot of his career. But he's had a a better career than Marquise Goodwin. Goodwin didn't play last year. He opted out. So I, I would circle Demir Bird as probably the guy who right now I would say would be the third most productive wide receiver out of that core with honorable mention to Marquise Goodwin, Riley Ridley, and Javon Wims. Goodwin is believed to be the fastest, but I was going to ask, when you're talking about Bird and Goodwin, who did you see make more tough catches early on? I mean, we're talking we're not talking about a big sample size, but your your first impressions are, are your first impressions. Yeah, I'd say even like going back to um, – OTAs like he and and minicamp that Bird has been a little bit more consistent in that regard. Um, not that Goodwin hasn't been, but I, I think that Goodwin is and fans love Goodwin because of his Olympic speed, literally Olympic mm-hmm. speed. I, I think that I, I think he's going to get a shot to return kicks, and I think that he's a guy too that if you like really scheme him correctly, you know what I mean? Like he can be a guy running those fly patterns and those bombs like things have to go right you know if you just look back at Marquise Goodwin's career it's not been hugely productive but again if if Bill Lazor and Matt Nagy use him correctly that's a straight up weapon I think some similarities like the way the Bears use Cordero Patterson if you use him correctly it he can be a weapon but I think more of the everyday work and catching and targets are going to be Demir Bird. Okay. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Anything that brings speed and threats and and looking deep before they look short, that would be a wonderful upgrade, a wonderful bit of entertainment for Bears fans. All right. Last cut I have for you is, and, and I played this earlier this week, but I think it's interesting to hear because Eddie Goldman going into camp was probably maybe the number one story because he had sat out OTAs. He sat out the mandatory minicamp, and of course he opted out last year because of COVID-19. Here is Eddie Goldman answering all the questions that you've been wanting to know the answers to. Um, it was really challenging. Um, you know, when I made the decision, um, you know, I weighed all of my options, and um, you know, just thinking I would be away for, from the game for a year is just it really uh, it really took a toll on me, especially when I watched uh, the season and how it played out and how we you know made the playoffs and everything. Um, you know, it was it was it was something to experience, but it wasn't really uh, you know a fun thing. Hey, can you tell us what what went into the decision for you just not to be here during the off season? And, and um, everything? It was uh, you know you had the COVID protocols and then um, also some family issues. I will I will say though I will say um, the only regret that I do have is 
just the fact that, um, you know, my teammates went to battle without me, you know, that'll, that'll be my only regret. And Eddie Goldman does look good. He is in shape. He said he spent his time when he opted out working out a ton. He looks the part. And quite frankly, from what I've seen in him of him watching him closely in camp so far, he doesn't look any different in terms of his play, which is at a high level that he's ever looked. So I think I think the Bears are good with Eddie Goldman. I hope so. He's he's a huge key. If they stop the run, they get off the field, the offense gets on the field more, you you have your way with opponents. That is, Eddie, Eddie Goldman is so important in that situation. But you know what I was thinking? Uh, Tuesday is the first day in pads, isn't that right? Yep, they're, yep, they're, that's okay. the Soldier Field Day, family day or family night, whatever you want to call it. So Tuesday and Wednesday will be, in my world, my first two questions are Justin Fields. The second one is Eddie Goldman. What is it like when Eddie Goldman gets hit again? What is it like when he delivers a blow? What is it? What What is his body like the day after? And Justin Fields. And maybe they can't touch quarterbacks, but they can certainly touch the the targets, and they can make you run around. and And I think that's re- those are the two, top two questions. I know we talked about receivers, and and you got your eye on other people, but for me, the guy. Closest to the snap of the ball on that defense is so important. And the guy who's taking the snap, who's supposed to be the future, that when they first hit, those would be the two guys I'd want to know most about. And that yeah, and and the day uh, after, how do they feel the day after? It's such a great point because all the we spoke to all the coordinators yesterday, in particular defense and offense, and both Bill Lazor and Sean Desai. When we asked them to evaluate individual players, they said it's they said it's really tough for us to give you some sort of concrete answer pre pads. That once the mm-hmm. pads go on, we'll give you a, a better idea. And that is that is the truth. And I, I'm glad that you brought that up because that has to be the disclaimer to everything that I'm talking about right now. That it's not a lot to go on when they haven't put no pads so far these guys are out there wearing helmets and shorts and that's it all right we uh, we completed another near award winning segment of what mark heard we're going to take a break when we come back the bulls did a thing this week and it was so big chance the rapper showed up and it was so big that it involved an illini player we're talked to the biggest illini honk we know that's herb lawrence so we'll come back and talk some hoops Next, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.